Welcome to the podcast of New Life Church. We hope that the messages, topics, and discussions that you find here will encourage and challenge you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to go to Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 19. And from here, I want to do some teaching tonight on uh, this subject. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19 says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. This verse is where we're going to start tonight, and we're going to discuss something that I believe will help us, and we need to keep our our eye on the prize and keep our mind focused on this subject that we're going to talk about tonight. So Paul says in this verse uh, that he travails in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So we're going to title uh, this subject tonight, Reborn, Reformed. Reborn, Reformed. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us and that his word would minister to us tonight, we pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we ask tonight that it would speak to us, that it would come alive in our lives and open our eyes, Jesus, to uh, who you want us to be and what you're calling us to. And we ask, Lord, that we would have the faith to believe and let there be revelation that we would see, uh, perhaps something we've never seen before, but let it illuminate our life because your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we pray that it would be that tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. He came under the... Uh, the cloak of night. He was hidden in the darkness and he did it intentionally because he didn't want anyone to see uh, him. He was a very influential man in society and the person he was going to go visit was somewhat of a controversial figure in society. Although controversy Uh, seemed to follow this man, he had to meet with him because there was something different about this man. And he knew that what was different about him was real. It wasn't a facade. It wasn't uh, just a charismatic uh, influencer, but this man was different Uh, and had something different than any other person that he had ever seen before. Yet, because of the controversy and because of his influence, Nicodemus met with Jesus at night. And when he came to Jesus, Nicodemus said, We know that you're a teacher come from God. Because no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with you. And Jesus responds to Nicodemus and says to him that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
see the kingdom of God. It's perceive or understand the kingdom of God. Uh, The kingdom of God is different than the kingdoms of this world. However, we know in the book of Revelation that uh, there is a moment coming in the events of the end time that are unfolding. There's a moment that will come where we see it recorded. It's It's declared in heaven in this moment in time. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. And so... There is a moment that the kingdom of God is going to take over the world, not just in a spiritual sense, but in a literal sense. And uh, everyone that is born into this kingdom will rule and reign with Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But Jesus here, talking to Nicodemus, uh, makes a very matter-of-fact statement, except it's very exclusive, if you will. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus didn't quite understand this. And so Jesus expounds in John chapter 3 verse 5 more into what he was saying. And and he says, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now we're going to be breaking down the kingdom of God a lot in great detail at the beginning of the year. But... um, Entering the kingdom of God. There is a legal way to become a citizen of a nation. And you have to go through that legal way to become a legal citizen of that nation. So it is in the spirit. So it is in the kingdom of God. There is one legal way to enter into the kingdom of God. And that is to be born again of the water and of the spirit. Why? do they need to be born again? Why do I need to be born again? Why do you need to be born again to enter into the kingdom of God? Because the nature of mankind is corrupt. It's been corrupt since the fall of Adam and Eve. Uh, The disobedience to God that created uh, uh, a sin nature and ushered in death as being a part of uh, humankind. All of that has ushered in this corruption, and corruption uh, leads to death. And so in order to become a part of the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. In order to enter, you must be born again of water and spirit. That is, we see um, expounded on and and instructed in the book of Acts, born again of water is water baptism in the name of Jesus. And uh, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in a different language that is being born again of the Spirit. Uh, when you initially for the are speaking in that language that you don't understand, that is the sign of life. That is the proof of life. Just like a doctor uh, is listening for a sound uh, when a baby is born to know that there is life in that body, so it is in the spirit. When we are born again of the spirit, there is a sound that comes forth, a spiritual utterance that signals to you, to God, to everyone, that 
There is proof of spiritual life now, and this person has been born again of the Spirit. And so that is um, a very brief explanation of, of kind of what's taking place here and what Jesus is talking about. But the part that I want to talk to you tonight about is not as much being born again, but the process after being born again reborn, reformed. And we know in Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 7, that after we had read the creation account in Genesis 1, and we uh, move into Genesis chapter 2, that there's some more detail that is given about the creation of mankind, the first man that we know is Adam. And in verse 7 of Genesis 2, we read that it says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Uh, say, say formed. He formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So we see here in this progression of the creation of Adam that Adam was formed, and then made alive. He was first formed, then he was made alive. So we know then also, because of Adam's disobedience, death entered into the human race. Sin nature uh, became a part of human nature. Human nature uh, equates to sin nature. And, and so <clears throat> human nature uh, in and of itself uh, does things that are opposite of God. There is no nature of God in human nature because we reach for, as I've said before, self-destructive things, self-destructive lifestyles that lead to death. The wages of sin is death. And so um, there had to be something take place to reverse it, to overcome it, to change it, and we know that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he obtained the ability for humanity to be reborn and reformed. He didn't just wipe the human race off of the face of the earth and then start to create new uh, people. He did a, he did start a, a, a recreative work through the existing human race. He's going to create a new creation through the current existing human race. And it all started with when we read, and it's that season's coming up right after Thanksgiving. Don't want to talk about Christmas too much before Thanksgiving. Uh, I mean, I'm fine with it, but some people don't like that, so I don't want to offend anyone by ignoring Thanksgiving. Um, but uh, what we what we know, Christmas season coming up, this whole process that we're uh, talking about began in the Christmas story of uh, Mary uh, being told by the angel Gabriel that you're going to conceive and have a child, and you'll name his. You'll name him Jesus, for he'll save his people uh, from their sins. And uh, 
Emmanuel being interpreted God with us. That began uh, the, the, the process, the fullness of time had now come and God came to earth as a, a, as a man and was born into this world. Uh, it's the baby Jesus. And he grew into this man who was on a mission to save humanity but not just save humanity, but transform humanity, change humanity. It was the beginning of this recreative work. He was going to take what was broken and not just fix it by, by gluing it back together or not just fix it by tying two broken pieces together. And, and, and that's, going to be how it was fixed. No, he was going to take what was broken and make it new. How is that possible? How do you take something that is broken and literally make it new? Well, it's a supernatural work. We cannot, uh, new life, we cannot forget the fact that all of this church Thing that we're a part of and, and the services that we uh, attend and that we are a part of and the, and the sermons that are preached, the songs that are sung, the Bible studies that are taught, the, the outreach efforts that we make, the prayers we pray, there has to be a supernatural element in everything we do because that's why we do what we do. A person's life cannot be changed simply because we go through some motions. There has to be that supernatural element involved because that is what takes what is broken and makes it new. Jesus Christ, known as the second Adam. The first Adam was earthly. The second Adam was made a quickening spirit. He was the agent of new creation. Through Jesus, what is dead can be made alive. Through Jesus, what was broken can literally become new. Through Jesus, what seemed hopeless now has a destiny. And it's all through Jesus Christ. It's all through the supernatural power of Jesus. It's through his spirit. It's through his name. It's through his blood. It's through the power of God working in you and in me, making us new, not just repairing, but renewing, not just repairing, but regenerating, making us new. And so all of this was accomplished on the cross, the ability of it, the power of it for us to be reborn and reformed. But there is a reversal in this uh, pattern that I'm going to point out. And this whole thought came to me uh, earlier today when I was uh, in prayer and I was praying, God, I want you to make me into your image. I want to be more like you. I want your image to uh, be formed in me. And then as I was praying, uh, the Spirit of God put this, this word in, into my spirit, and I'm wanting to share it with you tonight. And what I realized uh, through prayer and the Spirit of God revealing this to me, that the process of creation uh, with the first Adam, God, uh, 
formed man and then made him alive. But in our uh, rebirth, in our born-again experience of water and spirit, we are made alive, and then we begin the formation process. And so it's it's flipped in, in the spiritual uh, new birth, in this new birth uh, experience that we were talking about in John 3. We, when we are born again, we are made alive. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. So when that word quickening means to make alive. And so when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God, we are now made alive. And that's great. We're born again. We have entered into the kingdom of God. And now the fun part starts. We begin the process now of being formed into the image of Jesus Christ. This is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. The process of being formed into the image of Jesus Christ is not that we are beginning this process of beginning to look like the man, Jesus Christ. No, we are beginning the process of being formed into the image of Jesus Christ reflecting his character and his nature. And so in Christ Jesus, we are first made alive and then we are formed. And in Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. Paul tells us in Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away and all things are become new. But it's only in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Jesus Christ have put on Christ. Paul talks about that in Galatians, which is uh, where we started. If any man be in Christ, if you're ever going to get in Christ, you have to be baptized into Christ, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And that begins the process. And He'll fill you with his spirit. And so we are first made alive, then we are formed. Old is gone, new has come. But it all doesn't just happen in a moment. Because if that was the case, a lot of us missed something along the way. If the moment we're born again, we are like Jesus completely, instantly, and, and everything is perfect and great, then all of us have missed something and we did not uh, get apparently the real experience. But as we read scripture, as we study scripture, we realize that there is this process. We are reborn, we are made alive, and now we begin to be reformed. Reformed into the image of Jesus. 
So this, this process of reformed, there's another word for it, sanctification. Sanctification is a process. And um, this initial sanctification process begins the moment uh, that we are filled with the Spirit of God. We have been sanctified. Paul talks about that also in Corinthians um, <clears throat> when he says he's listing a bunch of different lifestyles that will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said, and such were some of you. You used to be that, but now you have been washed, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You have been sanctified, sanctified. That is uh, this, this cleansing uh, set apart, sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Paul talks about in Ephesians, when you were filled with the Holy Spirit, you were sanctified, you were now set apart. Okay, that's the first step. But now that you've been set apart and, and, and you have been chosen unto God and reborn, born again into the kingdom of God, now you need to be formed to reflect Jesus. You need his nature. You need his character to be Come a part of your life. And so this sanctification process could be better um, explained as transformation. Transformation. You've been reborn. Now you need to be transformed. And uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 2, gives us a really good insight into this, where Paul says, Be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, conformed uh, gives us uh, understanding of pressure from the outside forcing us into a certain mold. Be not conformed to this world. If you have not realized there's a lot of pressure in this world that is trying to force us into a certain mold. But that is not the way of God. The enemy would like to paint God as someone who tries to force us into a certain way of living. It's not like that. Uh, we live this way, first and foremost, because of the grace of God has made a way for us to live a life that is abundant, a life more abundantly. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life. He didn't say a new life. He said life, insinuating that what uh, the condition that we were in before Jesus was not life at all. We're just existing until we die. We're just in this existence on earth until we die and we go into the afterlife helpless and hopeless with no chance. But when Jesus stepped onto the scene, he said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. 
That, it does not speak of someone who is trying to force us and rob us of a good time and take away the pleasures of this life. No, Jesus wants to give us an abundant life, a life at a higher level, a life that is above the weights and the bondages that come with living in the pleasures of sin for a season. Jesus wants to uh, elevate us to a level of living that we could not obtain on our own, which is why we need to be reborn, born again. And so when Jesus uh, is talking about this, this process is transformation. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How are we transformed? Paul says, by the renewing of your mind. But your mind cannot be renewed without the Spirit of God filling you. Because it is the Spirit of God that influences our mind. It is the Word of God that we must read. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you don't have word in you, you have no uh, defense against sin. If your mind is not filled with the word of God, then your mind is uh, a playground for the enemy. What we need to remember is this. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If there is no word in your life, there is no light in your life to tell you and show you the direction you're going. No word, no light. No light, you can't see where you're going and you have no idea if you're going in the right direction. So through being filled with the Spirit of God, by being born again of the Spirit, and letting the Spirit of God work on your mind, but also with the Word of, with the Spirit of God, we take the Word of God and fill our mind with God's mind. This book is the mind of God on paper. This is what God thinks. This is how God thinks. This is this is how God wants us to live because this is who God is. This is God in a book. The word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Jesus is the word personified, which is why we must be transformed into his image. And when we are transformed into his image, we are almost as if you will, walking Bibles. And then people will look at us and realize there's something different about them. When people begin to say that about you, that lets you know I'm doing pretty good on this journey of being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So what we uh, need to remember here is that we need to be transformed. And transformation takes place from the inside out, not the outside in. 
Our new nature, what is this new nature that we are in pursuit of? But we can't obtain it on our own. It's only by letting the Spirit of God in us, work in us, work on us, work through us to change us. What is this new nature that we need? Our old nature, behold, or all things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. That is our old nature. What is that old nature? It's it's the appetite of the flesh. It is uh, reaching and, and seeking after and living for uh, the desires that are of the old nature that do not please God, that only seeks to bring pleasure to myself in any way, shape, or form. But the new nature is a nature we cannot achieve without the Spirit of God in us, working on us, through us, and for us. And this new nature is the nature of Jesus Christ. The nature of Jesus Christ in us. Uh, this we, we, we have to have our nature changed if we're going to be transformed. You can be born again and you're in the kingdom and you're made alive. But if you don't allow your nature to be changed, you'll die again. We must remember this fact. I'm on a journey and I'm on a process of being transformed and I cannot stop the process. However, if you have at some point in your life stopped the process, don't give up. Just come back to God and restart the process. Don't quit, don't give up, don't walk away. But we must hold on and pursue this transformation process and let God work in us and through us. This is absolutely vital. So we're in church, we go to church, we've been committed to the things of God for a short time or for a long time. That's great, but I ask you this question. How's the transformation going? How is the transformation going? And it's more than just doing what you're told or being a good saint. It is, are you getting in the word for yourself? Are you praying to God about yourself, by yourself, on your own? Are you seeking God? Are you uh, deliberately working and, and striving to pursue Jesus and forsake everything that God has delivered you from? Are you going after it? Because that is absolutely vital to the transformation process. So the good news is, is we're all on it. But we all must pursue it continually. This is a, a, a reality in this nature change. Nature is the inherent character of a person. Why do we need our nature changed? Because our old nature, which is sin nature, 
uh, had an inherent characteristic to lead us towards destruction. But when our nature is changed and we are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, we take on his nature. His nature leads us to life everlasting. His nature will literally take our person on a journey that leads us to heaven. That's why we must, above all else, stay in this transformation process. He is the potter. We are the clay. Stay in the process and let the nature of Jesus Christ be formed in us. Another definition of nature is the inner force, the instinct, desire, and appetite of a person. You want to know what your nature is? You want to know how you're doing in your, na- in your transformation process? What are your instincts? What do you desire? What are you hungry for? What do you reach for naturally? What do you, uh, which direction do you lean naturally? This isn't meant to make anyone feel bad. This is meant to convict us because this is the word of God. This is meant to convict us. And conviction does not cause us to run away. That's condemnation. Conviction causes us to reach for God and say, above all else, I know I have things I need to work on. I know I haven't finished the transformation process yet, but there's something in me that even though I realize there's a lot that I need to work on and I need you to work on me about, I'm reaching for you, God, with everything that I have because I know you're my only hope. That's conviction. Conviction is even though you feel like you took a punch to the gut, you're running full force to an altar. Conviction is even though you feel like your insides have been crushed under the weight of the word of God, you have hands lifted and your voice lifted and you're crying out to God because you know he's your only hope. And even though his word is convicting you, his love is also lifting you. That is conviction and we need conviction because that is the measuring stick that that's what causes us to be able to gauge where we are if you're never convicted about anything maybe the condition of your conscience isn't in a good place conviction is God is God correcting us but also lifting us and picking us up out of where we are to take us up to the level of living that he has for us. And so um, this is the reality that we need to remember. And this goes back to the supernatural element I was talking about earlier. Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, Paul's kind of talking about this whole uh, subject throughout Uh, the letter to the church in Galatia. But in Galatians 3, verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Well, this verse is talking about exactly what we're covering tonight. Having begun in the Spirit, you're now made perfect by the flesh. You cannot be born again without the supernatural help of God. Having begun in the Spirit, 
If you're going to be born again, it's only because the Spirit of God made a way for you to be born again, which we covered when Jesus died on the cross and accomplished that victory. He made a way for us to be born again and for us to experience this new life. And so the new birth is a supernatural, spiritual thing. You cannot achieve it on your own. I, I, I've, I've heard messages from, from different uh, preachers in, in that, uh, I mean, they have their own opinion of things and, and their own belief on certain things out of Scripture, but when, they, when they're wanting to know, <clears throat> are, are you ready to follow God? Do you want to follow Jesus? They're just slip your hand in the air. Just, just, uh, just say, I believe in Jesus, and it's, and it's good. No, if you are going to enter the kingdom of God, if you're going to become a part of the family of God, you have to have supernatural help. And it comes through water baptism in the name of Jesus and the promise that he will fill you with his spirit. You begin in the spirit. You cannot be perfected in the flesh. You cannot be made perfect by the flesh. Reborn has to have a supernatural element and reformed also has to have a supernatural element. You need the Spirit of God to be born again, and you need the Spirit of God at work in your life daily to be transformed. If you needed Jesus to save you, you also need Jesus to transform you. And the key to all of this as I wrap up, the key to everything we've covered. We know we need Jesus to be saved. We know we need Jesus to be sanctified. We know we need Jesus in order for our mind to be transformed. We know if we're going to become uh, informed into the image of Jesus, uh, his character, his nature, we need the Holy Ghost at work in our life, which is the spirit of Jesus. John talks about that in John 14. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of Jesus. Uh, it's all the same. And, and we know that we need the Word of God in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts, uh, working on us. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You want to get to the root of the issue read the word of God. Read it until you think differently. Read it until you talk differently. Read it until you live differently. And until you think differently, and until you talk differently, and until you live differently, don't stop reading. Keep reading. And don't try anything else until you have ingested enough of the word of God that you start to see a change. Until then, don't try anything else. Until then, don't look for another answer because once you do, you're going to realize this is the only answer. It's the word of God that is forever settled in heaven. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. 
So if the word of God is that powerful, why do we look to other uh, sources for help? If the word of God is that powerful, why are we looking uh, for uh, solutions anywhere else? We need each other and we help each other, but the word of God is the foundation. And so everything we've covered, we know we need all of that. And you can't be formed into the image of Jesus without Jesus. If it started in the Spirit, it's also got to be perfected in the Spirit. You were born again and we're in the church now. You can't become who God wants you to be out of your own ability and own opinions now. That's why uh, pride in the church is a, uh, it's a terrible thing, but it's also kind of humorous because we get saved and we make a certain amount of progress and then we think we're special or we think we're better than everybody else or we get this, uh, um, this mindset and, and think that, oh, we've never been down there. And so we'll look down on people And have you forgot where you come from? Have you forgot who you used to be? Have you forgot the fact that in order for you to get where you are today, you needed Jesus and you needed to humble yourself in the sight of God? If that's the condition you needed to be in in order to start, how in what condition are you going to need to be in to finish? If you humbly needed to cry out to God in order to be born again, why do we think anything needed to change once we were born again? The process just started because now we've got to be transformed. There's no room for pride in being transformed because we must take on the image of Jesus. And so, as I said, I was wrapping up. The key here, As we go back to our opening text, Paul says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. We've talked about formed. Christ being formed in us. And in this new birth experience, we are first made alive and then the process of formation begins. But the key to all of this is we know that we need God to work in our life. The key is travail the key is travail because travail in the context of this it is talking about the pain of birth travail the pain of birth and you look at the process of birthing a child there is pain and there is effort You cannot be transformed into the image of Jesus by yourself. You and I must have the Spirit of God working in us. But you and I also must put in the effort. If Christ is ever going to be formed in us, it's because the Holy Spirit, and us both put in the effort. God's going to do his part, but are you going to do your part? And what is that effort? Surrender. Surrender.
You cannot be godly on your own. But you must surrender. God will do the work of transforming you. But you and I must surrender. Surrender our will, our opinions, what we think. We must surrender our life. We've been born again. Great. That is amazing. Heaven and uh, every church should rejoice. Every time a person is born again, heaven throws a party and new life will, has, and will always throw a party. But after that, we must surrender. The pain and the effort of surrender is travail. And what is this? What is this process look like? Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. That's disown. That means you no longer take ownership of your life. How many today in the 21st century church can say we have disowned our life? These are the words of Jesus. Have you disowned your life? Have I disowned my life? Because to disown your life means you don't own your life anymore. You don't run your life anymore. And Jesus said, the first step, if you're going to come after me, you have to disown yourself. You have to surrender ownership of your life over to me. But Jesus is the one who bought our redemption. He purchased our salvation, which is why we must disown ourselves. The second thing after we deny ourselves is Jesus said, take up our cross daily. Luke 9, 23, let him take up his cross daily. Cross. It's a symbol of pain, suffering, and death. Death to what? Our will. We surrender our life. And whatever the cost, whatever we endure, whatever we experience, I am taking up my cross daily. It's a choice daily to disown our life, to no matter what I endure, no matter what the pain is that I may experience daily, I'm taking up this cross. I am following Jesus. That is the process. That involves pain. That involves effort. But when we focus on this, while we're focusing on surrendering to Jesus daily, no matter the cost, and we're putting in the effort of surrendering. While we're doing that, Jesus is working. He's working on our mind. As we, as we uh, set aside our will and we surrender to the word of God, we surrender to God in prayer, we surrender to God through fasting, and we're surrendering. That's why we're fasting, New Life, because we're surrendering. We're surrendering our will to the will of the Spirit. We're laying aside every weight and sin that would knock us off course. And we are aligning our life with God. Fasting is a great way to determine whether or not you or God is in control of your life. 
you're setting aside a meal, you're setting aside a day, and you are sacrificing this, and you are crucifying your flesh, you are showing uh, your flesh that you control uh, your will and that you have chosen to surrender to God, let God move in your life. So through prayer, through the word of God, through fasting and through daily living our life in a surrendered state to God, while we're doing all of that, Jesus is working on our mind, our heart, and little by little, he's transforming our nature until Christ is formed in us. How long does this take? I don't know. What are you doing the rest of your life? That's how long it takes. But we know in the New Testament, Paul is talking and it's talking about the day that Jesus comes. And he says, when we see him, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. On this earth, we're in the process of being sanctified, transformed. But one day when Jesus returns, if we stay on this transformation process, we're going to see Jesus as he is because we will be like him. And that next step for us is what we call glorification. Where we spend eternity with Jesus in a new heaven and a new earth. And we have finished our course. We have completed the process because we travailed Whatever the pain, whatever effort I must make, I will not stop this process until Christ is formed in me. Whatever you must do, do not stop the process of being transformed. And if for whatever reason you got off track for a week, a month, a year, or a decade, or whatever, get back on track. Surrender all over again. Pick up your cross daily. Surrender no matter the pain, no matter the effort, and let Jesus form his nature and his character in your life. Because one day, when we see him, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Reborn and reformed because we have a future with Jesus in heaven. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it instructs us and it illuminates our path. And God, I ask that your spirit would minister to each person that would watch or listen to this, God, and that you would encourage us through your word and your spirit to surrender no matter the cost, to live a life of daily surrender to you, and while we're surrendering, you are forming us into who you desire us to be. Help us to keep our eye on the prize. And no matter what we face on this earth, let us not be deceived or distracted. But let us keep our eyes on you, looking unto Jesus, 
who is the author and finisher of our faith. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.